are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio. And in studio today, you have Brennan and Dave and Jody. We'll hear from Hank and Craig in a bit. So last weekend, Saturday, was Free Comic Book Day. And it was a true extravaganza. It was awesome. We had a heck of a good time uh, from dawn till dusk, putting it on. We gave away about 6,000 comics, I think. And uh, a lot of people came by and got stuff. We had such an amazing palette of, of guests that were there. We had the Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine. We had members of the Star Wars 501st. We had a really rad Batman. We had all kinds of artists who came out and uh, there was like eight awesome local artists who were there. So thank you for to them for uh, donating their time. And, and thank you to everybody who came out and got free comics. It was really, really good day. It was delightful putting comics in the hands of kids who maybe have never seen a comic before. Uh, the next door neighbors at uh, Amazing Stories, Deli Chat, they did a special booth to preview their food because they're going to be opening up in the next couple of weeks. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, all in all, a super good day. And it didn't rain. It was threatening to rain all day, but it did not rain. So that was really good. And the punch crew was there. Uh, we filmed a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, the June episode will center around all the hijinks. So if you missed it, you'll be able to vicariously live through major party and uh, get a little taste of what it was like. So what was it like for you, Brennan? It was great. Um, again, free comic book day is always such a great event. And at first, not gonna lie, with all the clouds, you think, oh my goodness, are we going to get rained on? It never did. Um, everything was so well organized. The line was never, it ran smoothly. Nothing was that long. What I really appreciated, I got a chance to go down the creator's alley and talk to all the local creators about the books that they were there. What I really admire uh, this, like Saskatoon is such a creative city. We've always had such a good music scene. We have a, a great artistic scene. And the comic scene is, is the exact same way. Going from booth to booth to booth, every creator had a completely different style of project, different types of artwork, even different parts in their comic creating career. So for example, you have, you know, like, um, like the Wills, <laughs> I'll just call them as a couple, um, you know, that are quite established and, and have a name for themselves. And then you have some that are just kind of getting started off. And this is kind of their first experience. So I, would, I felt really privileged to have that chance to get a chance to talk to each single one of them uh, and find more about their comics. You know, it's, it's such a busy day that I, I didn't get a chance to go back and get all the things that I wanted, but I definitely would. So, you know, anyone out there, I mean, everything from young adult comic i read the clementine issue one a bold new young adult adventure for the walking dead which also had the first looks of machine boy and seer serpents um air and it was amazing i'm like i think i like young adult comics more than i realized anyway but <laughs> we had these local creators that were doing some were doing sort of young adult things some uh we had one that had a completely silent comic, which I love. I love that genre of, of books that have no text in them. Uh, dating back to my first one that I had was the G.I. Joe with Snake Eyes on the cover. And just how, you know, engaging they are. And even the artist's personalities are so much different in the styles that they have. So uh, it was really great. So make sure next time you head off to your local comic book store, go to the local section and uh, try some local artwork. There's lots of great stuff and lots of great comics. So um, support the people that really need to the support to get their careers going. Yes. And in case you you didn't get a chance, uh, the artists that were there were Brayden Martins, Brandon Halfachuk, 
Mark Allard Will, Elaine Will, Audra Ballion, Rhett Stevenson, Jeff Burton, and Colin Work. And Colin has a brand new Kickstarter that just started on Monday for his, uh, his book, Blackthorn. So uh, support that. It's a really small window. He's only got it up for like two weeks. And I think they probably by now have reached their goal. So uh, if you haven't supported it yet, there'll be cool stretch goals too. So do that so that the rest of us can get really uh, extra good, cool perks. Yeah, lots going on in our community. We have a lot to be proud of for sure. We have an amazing uh, group of talented people. So very, very awesome. And actually tomorrow at Amazing Stories, uh, Tom Grummet will be there. He's going to be autographing his uh, newest book from DC, Earth Prime, number two. So if you want to meet an actual like epic legend in the comic book world, come by. He is a delightful human being as well. And his artwork is outstanding. What, what do we know, if anything, about Earth Prime? Um, it's a mini series and it's a series of uh, six one shots. And the one that that uh, Tom's worked on is like a Superman one. Well, that makes sense. That's kind of where he's... Death of Superman is probably what he is best known for. So that is kind of cool. All right. We do have some other news. Major parties, major live karaoke party has been moved. Brennan, what's the scoop? Uh, June 3rd. We're just moving to June 3rd um, to give more people time to come out and check us out. So with a little bit of extra time, we have more people that want to come out and support us. And so we also have a unique opportunity to make an even bigger major party than what was originally planned. So for a couple extra weeks, we have even more surprises. So please make sure that check your coreseventcenter.com. There'll be posts about it, don't worry. We won't leave in the dark, uh, but we'll have a couple new surprises and it will be a great big, huge show. So make sure that you call all your friends and say June 3rd, come on out. Because if you miss this, you will be sad. It'll be with that event. You'll see all the, all the press afterward and all the photography and all the all your friends with selfies and things and be like, oh man, how come I missed it? So June 3rd. Remember that uh, when we say live karaoke, we're talking about an opportunity to perform karaoke where the music is not coming out of a little video box. It's being performed by a live band. Yeah. That, could... is, that is a special opportunity. And it's also for a good charity. It is. That's right. And a new, a new feature we're adding for just, you know, a sneak peek for our Punch Radio listeners. Uh, we have a special ticket now that you can have the rock star experience. So you can hang out backstage with the band, see what it's like, but you're guaranteed a karaoke song. So you can pick whichever one you want. So the night of the auction, um, we're actually auctioning off the karaoke, like a silent auction for the karaoke songs to raise money for Crocus Co-op because it's a fundraiser and we want to raise money. That's what we want to do. But if you get the rock star experience, you get to pick the song of your choice. So you are guaranteed a song. So what else could you possibly want, right? Hang out backstage, see what it's like. Maybe we'll make you carry our gear, you know. You could get discovered. You never know. Uh, we have professional photographers coming out and uh, yeah, lots happening. So when you're done, you could actually have a professional photograph photo of yourself on stage with the killer rock band. That is awesome. Okay, so you're obviously super busy in your life with, you know, job and life and all that stuff, but also practicing for this epic event. What else is going on with you that uh, you might want to throw out there to the world 
Um, well, I mean, the event is, is the big one. Um, besides the live karaoke, which is the fundraiser, um, it's also the kind of return of my band, Ultimate Power Duo. You know, it's been a few years since we played just because of the world, as well as uh, Saskatoon group Violent Betty. Um, and we are actually the group coming together to make the karaoke band. So you get to play with two professional groups from Saskatoon that have toured all over. Um, and that's where I'm going to tonight is to make sure that we know all our songs or so extra, extra good. Or we might be extra not so good. We might just sort of, you know, have a rough kind of rock set just to make it more like the uh, the rock and roll experience. So <laughs> so got that going on. Besides that, you know, there's always writing and 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 other things too. And I'm moving, but that's a whole. I'm not going to bore our listeners with my moving um, story, but maybe one day I'll sit down and make, you know what, I'll make a graphic novel, kind of like Harvey Picar, but instead of my cancer life, it'll be my moving life. And uh yeah, it'll it'll win an Eisner Award, I'm sure. Easy. I think so. All right. Well, we'll we'll let you get off to your practice then because we want you to be super, super good. Because, uh, yeah, you, who knows what, who might be up on stage with you? So we want to, like, you know, level the field. So you go off and do that. We're going to throw things over now to Hank and Craig. And then Dave and I will finish off the show with a bunch of uh, TV shows that we've been watching. So. And also one movie. And a movie, a Western, no less. So, Ooh. all right. Have a good night, Brennan. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. All right. Here's Hank and Craig. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Sillipin here for Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am here with the one, the only, the myth, the legend, the man himself, Hank Cruz. Hank Cruz. Who looks like a vampire today because I went to the eye doctor and my eyes are dilated. Yes, like I'm coming for you. <laughs> well, I, I like, I know, I know the listeners out there in Radio Land can't see this, but we're recording this on Zoom. Uh, so I can see you and your background for some mysterious reason <laughs> is this beautiful blades of grass kind of thing you got going on. But uh, I, I, I don't know what's happened, but I can't see the screen, so I can't fix it. I'm sorry. I don't know. Fair enough. But I just want to say you look like you're in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or something, because those are very big blades of grass behind you. Waiting uh, for the hey, lawnmower to come over top of me. Yeah. Oh, God. Careful. Be careful. Uh, so anyway, we got a few things to talk about this week. I want to quickly touch on Winning Time Ended. Uh, I thought the ending was fun. Can't wait till next season. Ozark's obviously over. I haven't seen all the episodes yet, so no spoilers. And uh, Better Call Saul ends this coming weekend. I also started We Own This City. That's the one from the guys that did The Wire. And uh, the first episode was interesting. It was definitely very Wire-like. Did you watch that one at all? I did. I, uh, I had to watch it twice because the first time I didn't realize that there was going to be so many characters and so many things happening because yeah. I thought it was kind of just focusing on uh, John, uh, whatever his name is, the Punisher guy. Yeah. Um, so then I'm like, oh, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. So I'm like, once I wasn't tired, I went back and watched it and I loved it. Nice. I also want to, I know we're going to talk about a couple of movie things, but I want to talk about uh, Strange New Worlds, the new- Please. Star Please. Trek uh, series. It's technically it's a spinoff from uh, Discovery, featuring Anson Mount as Captain Christopher Pike, who we remember from the very, 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 very first episode of Star Trek, the pilot episode prior to bringing on William Shatner as Captain Kirk, uh, where Captain Pike is the captain of the Enterprise, and Spock was on it, and Major Barrett, uh, who was Gene Roddenberry's wife, eventually played number one. 
And so we're sort of recasted all these roles. Obviously, Ethan Peck has played Spock on Discovery and, and as I said, Anson Mount. And now we've got some people, some new characters, as well as some people like uh, Uhura and Christine Chapel. If you remember the nurse from the original series, Nurse Chapel, uh, you know, are, are joining the cast. And I have to say, I enjoyed the heck out of that first episode. Now, that comes with a caveat. It's definitely like mining that nostalgia that I'm always complaining about. But they've kind of gone back to the original idea of the original series, that five-year mission, and and it was and it seems very retro. Like I feel like they're going to go to planets and and have to face off against like a energy monster or a Gorn or you know uh, you know a, a gangster world or things like that. Like I don't I don't know where it's going to go, but just based on that first episode, you know, it seems like they're really trying to recapture and almost do a almost a remake of the original series, but just with this sort of new cast and everything. Uh, I thought it was like a little bit on the nose here and there, some of their metaphors and stuff, but overall, I loved it. I thought the cast was great. I thought it was really fun. You know, what did you think? I know you got a chance to see it. There's only been one episode so far. There's another one dropped this week, actually, but. So my uh, daughter and I watched it because we watch all things Trek together because Tony has uh, tried to take my son to the dark side and only watch Star Wars. Um, uh, we both gave it a 10 out of 10. Uh, it's fantastic. It gave me, uh, even with the theme song, I got like Star Trek chills from like, oh, finally, it is old school Trek. I loved every second. The ship looks great. The uniforms look great. Even uh, the beginning when uh, Pike's in Montana, you know, we've seen that in other series. I think it was Alaska. I forget which character was in the Alaska during the winter and they got to come pick him up to get him to the ship. Same thing here. I'm like, oh, yes, please. Everything about it. And then uh, Kirk's dad shows up at the end. Like, yes. Is that yes. Kurt's dad or Kurt's brother? I think it's Kurt's brother. Oh, is it his brother? I thought it was his dad. I think it's his brother. I'd have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure he had a brother and, and his name was Sam. And I think that was the character's name. Uh, so I cool. love Anson Mount in this role. I love his hair. I'm very oh, yeah. jealous. But he started, like, Captain Pike starts out as knowing about his eventual fate, which it's not a secret in the Star Trek world, but he eventually, because they couldn't bring back the actor that played him, they wanted to do an episode later on that used the footage from the original pilot episode. And so they had to scar him up with all this makeup and he'd been in this horrible starship accident and he couldn't move and he could only talk through a series of beeps. So Spock kidnaps him and takes him back to this planet where they can, uh, where they can use his mind to make him think he's like, you know, normal again, basically. And so as the series starts, the Anton Mount Pike has found out this information that it, through the events of a, an episode of Discovery, and he's, he's sort of like Goose or, a, or Maverick in Top Gun. He doesn't want to re-engage. He doesn't want to get back in after Goose dies. Uh, he's kind of afraid to do it. And, and so we see him kind of have that arc of knowing what his ultimate fate is. But and, and he broods about it and he has some fear, but it also didn't suck the fun out of the character. Like he, he gets back into being the captain and, and you know, it's, it's really fun. So I think we're going to see more themes of this, but I love that they didn't just make him this dark brooding captain. He's still having a heck of a lot of fun sitting in the center seat and, 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 you know, calling out the action and stuff. So anyway, I can't wait to see more episodes of that. I did hear a podcaster that I listened to that's seen the first five episodes and he was like, this is amazing. And it's, and it's everything I just said about yes. it. Very close to original Trek. So cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, very quickly here, uh, Avatar 2, the, the, uh, the trailer for the sequel came out. All I'm going to say about it is I didn't really love Avatar. I mean, it was really neat the first time you see it in the 3D. I hate 3D, but it's the only movie that they've really done well in 3D. I thought the trailer looked like uh, children's 
cartoon, you know, not a sequel to one of the biggest movies of all time. I thought it looked terrible. Uh, you know, it looks fine if it was a children's cartoon, but I have zero interest to return to this world. My wife said, oh, they're making an Avatar 2. And I said, they're making two, three, four, and five right now. So like, he's just lost the plot. But I know I saw it on the small screen, but I know you got a chance to see it in front of Doctor Strange. Yeah, and it was uh, and it was in 3D, um, but because of the effects of uh, the last, how long has it been since it came out? Like 12 years or something or yeah, longer? Yeah, 15 years um, well, everybody's caught up. So it uh, looked like they just took a, a few, like a minute from the first Avatar and just threw it up up on the screen again like ooh, there was nothing in the trailer to get excited about because yeah, the effects are like all, the effects in all these movies are great now so you're like mm, I, I don't know what they're gonna do different i i don't know yeah and i just i find the characters look weird like they look like cgi characters but yeah uh, i know you wanted to talk about something specific speaking of dr strange oh yeah for uh, for dr strange so i wanted to ask um now that every let's say marvel movies in general the last 10 marvel movies all of the effects are flawless, like it, it's awesome. And now it's not a thing anymore where before you go to a movie like, whoa, it was like the coolest effects ever. And you're like, oh, well now that the effects have caught up in all these movies, like they all look the same, like they all look great, right? So how, once you take that part out of it, you're left with just kind of looking at the story of each of these movies. Well, this Doctor Strange movie, I don't even know how to judge it. Like I gave it a 73, I think, uh, but it was action packed, like start to finish. But um the movie was more about the Scarlet Witch than it was about Doctor Strange. Like he was like, if you look at screen time, I'm like, well, it's actually kind of more the Scarlet Witch's story here. But how now with all of these movies coming out with special effects that are also great and they're the same, once you take the special effects out of a Marvel movie, if there's not really anything going on, well, how do you even judge it then? Well, that's a good, I mean, that even leads back to Avatar. Like once you take that 3D out of Avatar, it's just a lame version of Pocahontas or uh, Fern Gully or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I think the Marvel universe is starting to show cracks. I didn't, obviously, I was supposed to go with you to uh, Doctor Strange and I was sick, so I didn't go. Uh, but I'll, I'll get a chance to see it this coming week. But like, you know, the Eternals, the, uh, what was the last one? Moon Knight. I couldn't even make it all the way through. Uh, I know Doctor Strange has had some sort of mediocre uh, to decent reviews, but but you know, not in the same way as most of them have. And they've had a very good track record through 28 movies with only one or two of them kind of stinking up the world like Thor. Uh, so, you know, you're right. Like they definitely have to focus on story and stuff and make these things like good. I mean, for lack of a better uh, phrase there. And I, like I said, I think they're starting to show some cracks in their armor right around the time, as you mentioned, that you're starting to, uh, you know, have, you know, all these effects are kind of like, seen it been there done that you know what I mean now that's not to say they didn't have some good stories with you know I actually like Hawkeye and and Winter oh Spider. I love Hawkeye yeah, yeah. these smaller stories where the stakes are just like I don't know he's got to get home for Christmas like that's big enough we don't need to like save the multiverse or 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 the or all the life on earth or anything like that and maybe they need to realize that and, and scale down a little bit more and tell some more human stories because that's what's at the heart of some of these best characters like peter parker and spider-man it's it's not the gimmicks it's the story it's peter parker right so uh anyway we got about 10 seconds any final thoughts on that from you tell marvel to uh start writing better stories okay write better stories marvel okay that's it. let's throw back to jody and everybody else we'll talk to you next week Woo! Bye. All right. Thank you, fellas. So TV, there's been great TV on like TV that I can't wait to watch week to week. And some of it has wrapped up. So two of the shows that have kept us going over the last little while are winning time 
and Tokyo Vice. And Winning Time was awesome. Like the arc was great. The finish was good. It was really, really fun. We've talked about this before, but for those of you who maybe missed those episodes, this is the creation of Max Bornstein and Jim Hecht. And it is the story of the rise of the LA Lakers to fame and glory. And it goes over the acquisition of the team by Jerry Buss, the acquisition of Magic Johnson, and then uh, the, the, the win. It's very exciting. Yeah, we, we love this show. And I think we loved it equally. Mm-hmm. And many of our listeners probably don't know that I'm like a lifelong dedicated Laker fan. And you're somebody who's just interested in the NBA. So I was really happy two or three episodes in when you were just as excited to, to week to week winning time with me over, over the run of this series, because, you know, this series kind of means a lot to me. It's, it's like, <laughs> if this turned out to be good, there was a good chance it was going to be my favorite show. Now, I don't know if it actually reached that level because it's got a lot of competition right now, but these were 10 really good episodes that I think we can agree we have very few complaints about. Yes, it's a great drama. It's got lots of comedy. All the bits were good. The actors were all on point and it culminated in the, the final between the LA Lakers and the Sixers. And after we watched this show, we went to YouTube and we watched that game six. You can watch the whole thing. And what is even more awesome is that it has all the original commercials and everything in the broadcast. Including a promo commercial for an episode of The White Shadow where that whole basketball team goes golfing. Yeah. So uh, even if you don't love winning time, check out YouTube and go watch game six, 1980 LA Lakers versus the Sixers. It's pretty fun. It was a, a very good rip. Whoever put that up, Thank you. And if you do that, I think you're going to realize that even though this is a show that is played fast and loose with historical facts for nine episodes, they basically told the story of game six more or less accurately. Really, my one quibble with that is just how much shade is cast on Jamal Wilkes. Yeah, he does not get the credit he deserves. his, His game six performance for the Lakers, I mean... It's got to be the most underrated 36-point game in NBA his <laughs> playoff history. I, I mean, you, you would think watching the series that he was just some bench-warming scrub on that Laker team. So, yeah, if you enjoyed it, Jody has given you a really good tip here. Go, go and watch at least the second half of that broadcast. It includes all the locker room celebrations and stuff after, so it's actually kind of surreal to watch the last episode of Winning Time and then watch the footage that they obviously used to base the episode on and see how there is a striking similarity between the two. Yeah, Yeah. it's good. I can't wait for season two. I'm really excited for more Winning Time. But I mean, they're not going to be able to call it Winning Time anymore because after this season, like the the Lakers don't win again (laughs) for, 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 you know, several seasons. So. The characters are still great and, and they're winners in my mind. If, if they're going to keep calling it winning time, it might have to become a series about the Boston Celtics. Shush. <laughs> Shush. All right. Well, we're going to ignore that you said that and move on. The other series that wrapped up was Tokyo Vice. And this is the Michael Mann thing. It's an HBO show and it is set in Tokyo. And it's about a writer who gets in with the mob, basically. 
And I was really disappointed. I thought that it was kind of ended really non-dramatically. There weren't, wasn't really a good cliffhanger. It just actually was like, oh, wait a minute. We're done until next season? Is there going to be a next season? Like, huh? I think there almost has to be a next season because the first five minutes of episode one of Tokyo Vice show us something that in the timeline of the show is the latest thing we will ever see. So after that first five minutes, it flashes back several months or years in time. And so as a viewer that watched this thing week to week, you sort of expect that at some point in the season, you will get back to that initial future date. And that doesn't happen in the course of season one, which I think is lame. It's super lame. Also because like throughout, whenever those characters were in trouble, you were like, yeah, he's gonna be fine. Cause he's like, they got that thing later. Yeah, they could have solved all this by just chopping out that first five yeah. minutes and avoiding the flashback because you're right. This We commented on this while we were watching it. There were some high tension drama moments that had all the drama drained out of them when you remembered that, well, exactly like you just said, like, well, this is going to work out for fine for these three characters because we've already seen them in the future. Yeah, they don't die. They're going to be fine. So anyways, we'll see what happens. I hope that uh, it carries on because I did enjoy it but it needs to pump the gas a little bit. All right, Old Henry is a new movie on Netflix. Wait, is this the movie about the expired chocolate bar? <laughs> uh, no, it is, it is nutty, but it is not that. Remind me what, this, what Old Henry is. <laughs> Old Henry, it's a Western starring Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, right. Written and directed by Potsy Poncirelli, and it is about a sod buster and his son who live on a farm who encounter a wounded stranger. And that is all that I'm going to say about it because I don't want to reveal any twists and turns, but I do want to say that it is refreshing to see a good Western on the big screen again. We can reveal that there are some major third act twists and turns without saying what they are. Yes, there are some good twists and turns and it's, uh, it's good. This felt to me like a very successful COVID era production because it's filmed with a really small cast in a really remote location where they basically never leave this cabin except to venture out on sort of the frontier of the quarter section of land that the story takes place on. And uh, also kind of cool to see like a 50-something Stephen Dorff yes. in this movie. It, it, this is a guy who kind of, I don't know. 20-something idol. You yeah, know? yeah, but never really got that big movie break and was, was in a lot of flops when he was kind of in his young gun years. And I think we kind of missed out on the fact that Stephen Dorff is a pretty darn good character actor. And Old Henry is is a nice showcase of, of those abilities. Yeah, good vehicle for him and a great vehicle for Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, man. I mean, Tim Blake Wilson, Nelson in a sort of rough and tumble Western role where, you know, he plays a tough guy where his toughness has to be conveyed through his actions and words and not through just like, you know, beating the crap out of people with a with a hickory stick or something <laughs> like that. At that that is right in Tim Blake Nelson's wheelhouse. And maybe the first time I've ever seen him play a lead, except for when he did it in that short film with the Coen brothers, where his portion of the movie was 
only like one of several the stories. Scruggs. Thank you, yeah. Buster Scruggs, where his story was only one of several being told. I don't know if you would count his old brother, where art thou role as a lead? Not really a lead, but a very good support. And he is amazing. So check that out. Old Henry, it's on Netflix. And that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. So you know where to find us here every Friday on CFCR 90.5 FM. In the meantime, keep your dukes up. Thank you.